Well, please turn with me in your Bible this morning to the book of Joel in the Old Testament. We have been working through this short book in which we find the prophet Joel sharing with the people of Israel God's message. And in the first part of the book, from chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 2, verse 27, the book's all about discipline. It's about God's discipline on the people of Israel because they have grown far from Him. They're not walking in obedience to Him. We saw in chapter 1, verse 15, the prophet Joel saying, Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, and it will come as destruction from the Almighty. And we saw in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, that message sort of fleshed out. That that message of destruction, this imminent day of the Lord, was going to come in the form of an army, we know from chapter 2, verse 20, from the north that would invade the area and take God's people captive. And so the prophet Joel told the people how they should respond to that message. They need to return to the Lord. And we saw in chapter 2, verse 12, these words, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. And evidently, as we saw last week in chapter 2, verse 18, down through verse 27, they listened, they responded. And so the Lord responded back and said, I will bring healing to you. I will restore the land. This invading army from the north, I am going to push away. And once again, you will experience peace in the land. But as we come now to chapter 2, verse 28 through 32, the most familiar verses in the entire book of Joel, because they are quoted in the New Testament with great significance, we come to a turning point in Joel's message. He's turning from emphasizing what has just happened and what could happen to what will happen in the future. And Joel's message in chapter 2, verses 28 through 32, is a common message from other Old Testament prophets. And we're going to see this morning that other prophets talk about the same thing that Joel does. That there is a future day of the Lord that awaits. That it's going to come. And we're going to see this morning that this, as Bible teachers refer to it, eschatological day of the Lord. The Greek word for last is eschatos. When we talk about eschatology, it's the study of last things. This eschatological, this last day of the Lord still awaits us. It's coming in the future. And the New Testament writers talk about it just as the Old Testament writers talk about it. In fact, we're going to see this morning that the New Testament writers are going to refer back to what Joel writes here in verses 28 through 32. I'm going to read those verses now. You can follow along in your copy of the Bible. It will come about after this, that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, 
Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be those who escape. And the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. This morning, as we think about Joel's prophecy about this future day of the Lord, I want us to get an overall feel that he's not the only prophet talking about this future day when God is going to break through into history. And he's going to break through into history with judgment against those who have stood in rejection against him. And he's going to break through in history with deliverance for his people. For example, we can turn to the book of Jeremiah in the 33rd chapter, starting to read in verse 14. And in Jeremiah 33, starting to read in verse 14, we read this. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good word which I have spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch of David to spring forth and he will execute justice and righteousness on the earth. In those days Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell in safety and this is the name by which she will be called the Lord is our righteousness. Also, for example, the book of Zechariah near the end of the Old Testament in chapter 8, starting to read in verse 22, Zechariah talks about this coming day when God will deliver his people. And in chapter 8, verse 22, it talks about Gentiles will seek out God's people. So many peoples and mighty nations will come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, ten men from all the nations will grasp the garment of a Jew, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. And then in chapter 12, this verse is so neat, chapter 12, verse 10. I I hadn't remembered this verse, and when I read it this week, I went to some of the other pastors on staff and said, do you remember this verse? This is so neat. Listen to this. Zechariah 12.10. I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. That verse is written hundreds of years before Jesus Christ came to earth, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross being pierced for us. And yet the prophet Zechariah says, one day Israel as a nation will recognize that the one whom they pierced is their Messiah. You see, all of the Old Testament prophets are looking toward this day. This day when God is going to break through history. And we know from the New Testament writers, this day is still ahead. But as we also see, and we're going to see this morning, the New Testament writers understand that this last day 
This, this last, these last things that Joel writes about here, they have already begun. These last days have already been initiated. They haven't been consummated. But the New Testament writers understand that we are living in last days. Now that should cause pause. To really think about the fact that we are living in last days should cause us to reflect. In fact, this morning we're going to see that as part of the church of Jesus Christ, we are in such a privileged position because while we live in last days, we have what Old Testament believers yearn for. We have the Spirit of God in us. Something that only the prophets could look forward to in days ahead. And with that privileged position, with the Spirit of God dwelling in us, living in last days, it should cause us to question, what am I doing? What is God's purpose for me? What is His call on my life? Toward the end of June, my wife Barbara and I returned to a place that we love, the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And when we go to the Outer Banks, we go to Ocracoke Island, which is the southern part of this series of islands off the North Carolina coast. And we basically do two things. We spend time on the Atlantic Ocean and we sit on a porch. The porch where we stay is really cool because it's just a wraparound porch on an old house. It has screen doors that squeak when you open them and when you let go it slams shut just like at my grandma's farm. We sit in old metal chairs and rock and the breeze from the ocean comes by and it's just idyllic. Every evening about the same time, a certain phenomena happens. A row of ducks walk by. You could almost set your watch by them. You'll be sitting out on the porch, and there'll be like 12, 13 ducks that come in a single row, and they walk across the property, single file, just walk across the property. Like night after night, here they come, and it's just this row of ducks, and they just... They just walk by. I don't know how that happens. I don't know if there is a lead duck. And the lead duck says to all the rest of them, Okay, it's almost 7 o'clock. Let's get in our row. It's time to walk around the island. I don't know how that happens. And, and I don't know if periodically, maybe there's a duck that takes pause and questions. Why do we do this every night? What what purpose are we fulfilling in every night at the same time walking in single file across Ocracoke Island? I mean, would there not be better things for us to do? Is there not a better way for us to invest our time? Is there something that we should be doing differently? Now, those are ducks. Probably just doing the same thing that all the other ducks are doing. 
And I really came to understand when we talk about getting our ducks in a row, it actually is a, it's a, it's a true thing. You know, one of the things that's important for us to do when we come to a passage like Joel 2, 28-32, is to pause and ask ourselves the same question that maybe those ducks should be asking themselves. Why am I doing this? Am I doing what I should be doing? Is there a purpose that I should be fulfilling that currently I am not? Because as we're going to see in just a few moments, we are living in last days. The prophet Joel, as we come to the first two verses of this section, verse 28 and verse 29, records for us a promise from the Lord. The Lord promises to pour out His Spirit on his people in future days. Now we know when we come to verse 28 of Joel 2 that there is a shift that Joel under the inspiration of God is showing us. That he no longer is talking about something that has just recently happened. He's no longer talking about something that could happen uh, in the very near future, that invading northern army. He's talking about last things. He's talking about something that still is going to come ahead in time. Notice with me the time words in this section. 228, it says, after this... 229, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Verse 31, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Chapter 3, verse 1, for behold, in those days and at that time. Chapter 3, verse 18, and in that day. You see, Joel has shifted. And he's talking about this future time period when God is going to break through history. He's going to break through history and accomplish two things. He's going to break through history and bring judgment. And he's going to break through history and bring deliverance. Joel writes about both here. In verses 28 and 29, he's saying this as a signal that this day of the Lord, this period of time when God breaks through history and judgment and deliverance as a signal that this time has been initiated, the Holy Spirit will be poured out on God's people. It will come about after this that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind. Now we look at all mankind and immediately... That is clarified for us. We know that the Bible shows us that God does not pour out his spirit on unbelievers. Here, we immediately see all men qualified in verses 28 and 29. Notice it says, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream visions. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. You see, here Joel is saying, when he talks about all mankind, he's talking about all Israel. And he's saying it doesn't make a difference if you're a man or a woman 
or an adult or a child or someone of high regard or a servant, God is going to pour out his Holy Spirit on Israel and that is going to initiate these last days. What is interesting is this. The New Testament views Joel 2:28 and 29 is already having begun. Keep your finger in Joel 2:28. And first I want us to turn over to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. And in Hebrews chapter 1 in the first two verses of Hebrews 1, the author of Hebrews writes this. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, then notice these first words of verse 2. In these last days has spoken to us in his Son. You see, the author of Hebrews understands that we, those of us who are in the church, are living in these last days. When Jesus Christ came to earth, lived a sinless life, died for us, and rose again from the dead, and ascended to the, to the Father, these last days began. And specifically, we see the New Testament writers viewing these last days beginning with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened in Acts chapter 2. So I want to spend a little bit of time in the book of Acts because we see in the book of Acts, Peter especially, understanding that what is prophesied here in Joel 2 Peter believes is going to come to its consummation really soon. Peter believes that God, in the person of Jesus Christ, has died for us, rose again from the dead, went to the side of the Father, and is calling people to repent because he believes as Israel as a nation comes to repentance, Jesus Christ is going to come back and set up his kingdom. And Peter thinks it's going to happen in his day. So we come to Acts chapter 2. And you remember in Acts chapter 2, the church is born. That the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is proclaimed. And Jews from all over are gathered in this place and hear the gospel and respond in faith and begin speaking in languages that they have not learned on a previous occasion. And people are astonished. Some are even saying, these people are drunk. And Peter responds in chapter 2, starting in verse 15. These men aren't drunk, as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. It's only 9 a.m. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And then Peter quotes the very verses that we're looking at today. He quotes from Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. He says, this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. You see, Peter believes that the words of Joel 2 here are fulfilled in his day. 
Now we know as scripture continues on to unfold that Joel 2 was initiated in that day, but it, these words of Joel 2 don't come to their final consummation yet in the book of Acts. And we still await their final consummation. You see, Peter believes that the kingdom is going to be ushered in that time when Jesus will return to earth and sit on David's throne and rule here on earth. He thinks that's coming in his lifetime, in the very near future. We come to the Toward the end of chapter 2, and in chapter 2, verse 33, Peter says, Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he's poured forth this, which you both see and hear. And then in verses 38 and 39, Peter says, Repent, each of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Even recalling back to the last verse of Joel uh, 2, verse 32, when it says, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. You see, Peter believes that if Israel will come to the Lord and repent, that the kingdom will come right now. We come to chapter 3, verse 19 of Acts. In Acts 3.19, Peter's preaching again. And Peter says, Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient times. You see, Peter says, If we repent... Jesus will come back. But then we come to Acts 4. And in Acts 4, Israel's leaders reject Jesus as the Messiah. And the majority of the nation of Israel pushes away the truth that Jesus is the Messiah who died for them. And then we come to Acts 10 and Gentiles start coming to salvation. And Gentiles in Acts 10 verses 44 through 48, they receive the Holy Spirit. How confusing a time it was for those Jewish Christians who believed that they were going to see what Joel prophesied in Joel 2 come to fruition in their life. And I think that's why the Apostle Paul wrote Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11. Because Paul explains that the the prophets did not have the privilege of seeing that, that the Lord was going to build his church. That Jew and Gentile would come together in the part of those who believed in Jesus as their Savior. And that... The church would be grafted into God's program. But Paul also says that at one day, all of these promises that have been made to Israel are going to come true and all Israel will be saved. So we find here in Joel chapter 2 verses 28 and 29. Joel the prophet Teaching by means of the Spirit of God, the Word of the Lord, that the Spirit of God being poured out initiates this breaking through 
of the last things that God will do when he comes in judgment and deliverance. Now, for a New Testament Christian, this is an awesome passage. It should cause us awe. You know, for an Old Testament believer, they did not have the assurance of the indwelling Spirit of God. We see in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit just came on Old Testament saints as God chose to lay the Holy Spirit on particular believers. And the Holy Spirit sometimes would not remain on the life of that believer. You remember in Psalm 51, as David became aware of his sin, he prayed, please do not remove thy Holy Spirit from me. He longed to have the Holy Spirit remain on his life. And yet, as a New Testament Christian, Romans chapter 8 verse 9 explains that if we don't have the Holy Spirit, we're not even a Christian. Every person who has come to a point in their life where they recognize that sin separates them from God and that they have placed their trust that Jesus is God who died for them and rose again from the dead and are believing in Jesus Christ, at the moment of faith, the Spirit of God comes in and takes up residence in us. We know from Ephesians chapter 1 that the Spirit of God is our seal. He is our guarantee that we will be kept until the Lord brings us to himself. He is our pledge of our inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. And with that privileged position of the indwelling Spirit of God comes responsibility. The New Testament writers teach us that as, as Christians... With the indwelling Spirit of God within us. We shouldn't grieve the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4.30. We shouldn't allow sin to go unconfessed in our life. Ephesians 5.18 says we're supposed to be filled by the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to allow the Spirit of God to control us. We have this privileged position where John and John 14 through 16 tells us that the Spirit of God is the one who instructs us and teaches us and convicts us of our sin. And the fact that each of us as Christians have the indwelling Spirit of God that was poured out on the church starting in Acts 2 also reminds us that we are living in last days. Barbara and I enjoy going for drives up around Hazleton, Iowa, up to the Amish community. And one of the things that I enjoy is just seeing the Amish farmers out working in the field. It doesn't happen as much anymore because some of the Amish have leased their land out because ground prices or lease prices are so high. But you can still see Amish men out working. One fall afternoon, Barbara and I were out driving, and we came upon a field where an Amish family was out picking corn by hand. And I can remember my dad talking about this, and he hated it. You're out there, and this, just like this Amish family, they had a team of horses hooked up to a wagon, and dad was out there and a bunch of kids and they were picking corn. Just walk down, here's a stock, take off the ear of corn, throw it in the wagon. 
out picking corn by hand, and they were right next to a line fence. On the other side of that line fence was a non-Amish farmer. And I watched this. I just parked my car, and out of the corner of my eye came this gleam of a bright, green, new, John Deere combine with a 12-row header. And it came down and went right up that line fence, right past those Amish kids. And I looked at those Amish kids as they looked at that John Deere combine, and they were ticked off. (laughs) That guy's in that John Deere combine, and it's air-conditioned, and he probably has satellite radio. He may even have a microwave in there. He probably doesn't even have to steer. There's probably a satellite that's doing all the work. And here I am out here. I won't get back into the house till after dark, and I'm my hands hurt, and I'm out here doing this one one ear of corn at a time. And did you just see that? I mean, does that guy even know how privileged he is? And you know, that's a question we can ask ourselves. Those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, who have the indwelling Spirit of God within Do we really recognize what a privileged position we are in that when we come to our Bible, we can actually hear from God? That when we start reading in our Bible, that the Spirit of God is the one that takes this and helps us make sense out of it and helps us apply it to our hearts? What a privileged position we are in that when we sin the Spirit of God within us actually brings conviction to our hearts so that we can confess that sin and enjoy communion with the Father. What a privileged position we are in to have received the Spirit of God and to know because the Spirit of God was poured out, Peter understands in Acts 2 that we are living in last days. And that should cause pause. That should cause us to reflect. In fact, Peter, or excuse me, Joel here in Joel 2, moves straight into verses 30 through 32 and talks about what's going to happen in this last days, in this day of the Lord. It's going to be a time of judgment In a time of deliverance. Look at the words of judgment here in verse 30. I will display wonders in the sky and on the earth. Blood, fire, columns of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Think about that and listen to the words of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 31 as I read them. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet 
They will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. And we know from Matthew, we know from the book of Revelation, that when Jesus Christ comes back to set up his kingdom, he comes back with judgment and deliverance. And all those armies who have their fists up against God, saying we are going to do what we want to do, will face the returning king as judge. And then we find here that he's not only going to return as judge, but as deliverer. And verse 32 of Joel 2 says, It will come about that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. We know from the book of Romans chapter 11 that those chapters 9, 10, and 11 where Paul talks about there's still a future for national Israel. Then in Romans chapter 11 verse 26 it tells us, and so Israel will be saved. You see, there these verses will come to fruition. That God's people, that Peter thought in Acts 2 and 3, were going to come to repentance. And the kingdom would come in. That day is still awaits us. And it's important for us to recognize that we live in last days. That all of what Joel talks about here what Matthew talks about, what we see in the book of Revelation, could begin to unfold today. Here at Faith Bible Church, we believe that Jesus Christ can come back any time. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses uh, starting in about verse 13, uh, down through verse 18, we have what Bible teachers call the rapture described for us. That Jesus could come back. Titus chapter 2 verses 11 through 13 says we should be looking for the blessed return of Jesus Christ. And it should affect how how we're living our everyday life. He could come back today. And we believe that all of those who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ, those who have died... Well, their bodies will be risen, brought up right out of the grave and their spirit and their body will be rejoined. And those of us who are still alive, who are followers of Jesus Christ, when he comes back for his church, we'll all be caught up into the air together with the Lord. And then, as the church is taken out of the way, this period of judgment is going to be unleashed. Do you know how sometimes when you talk with people about eternal things, Sometimes you'll get a response, oh, I don't really have to, I'm young. I don't really have to think about that stuff now. And yet, we know from passages like Hebrews 9, 27 and 28, it's appointed for men to die once. After this comes judgment. There's not a second chance. And it's important for us to be mindful of the fact that we live in last days. And that should cause pause. That should cause us to reflect and analyze and question, why am I doing the things I'm doing? Is this what God would have me do? Is the Spirit of God able to flow freely in and 
through me or is there sin in my life that I'm hanging on to? Because what a privilege it is to have the indwelling Spirit of God in these last days. You see, Joel understands the outpouring of God's Spirit as signaling the approach of the last days. And Peter recognized that that's happened. So we are living in initiated but not culminated last days. If you're here today and you don't know if you are in right relationship with God, I would encourage you after our service is done to go back to our prayer room. One of our leaders here, one of our elders of Faith Bible Church will be back there, can give you some material. You can take out your own Bible and look at verses that assure you that you can be in right relationship with God. And it's a good reminder for all of us, those of us who have put our trust in Jesus Christ, that those who live in last days with the privilege of having the indwelling Spirit of God within have a responsibility and a call that should cause us to pause and reflect. Father, we thank you for these verses and are asking that as a church you would continually bring to our minds the fact that we are indeed living in last days. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.